Lacey here with a quick update. As you may or may not know, I've been dealing with a variety of health issues over the last six weeks that have largely prevented me from spending much time at the computer to do editing and posting, and also dealing with some depression, which has slowed me down in general. I'm working to get better, but in the meantime, I think the show is going to become once a month for a bit. I do have two more full episodes and two fascinators recorded that just have to be edited so I can release them. And I'm looking at doing some live episodes on Instagram live in the near future as one alternative, um, because this is a one-person operation, and since I'm not as able to do it all myself as I used to be, I'm trying to think of more ways to make it sustainable, because I want to keep doing it. So just wanted to let you know that uh, the show is going to keep going, and I look forward to being able to share the next episode with you when I'm able to. Thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Hat Collecting, the show where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that people wear in their lives, because no one does just one thing, and everyone has a story. I am your host, Lacey Artemis, a creative Jill of many trades, and I am joined today by Blair Kaplan, who is a musician, a basketball player, a former wedding planner, and the founder of Lone Wolf District, a a life coaching business and community. Thank you for joining the show today, Blair. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes, uh, we had spent a little bit of time. My webcam wasn't playing nice with me, but we figured it out and we're here after all. I'm very pleased about that. So, uh, oh, I forgot to say uh, Blair's pronouns are she and her. You'll see that on the screen, but for the podcast listeners, I like to to make that clear as well. Um, But the show, the the thing, the question I like to start the show off with is the the icebreaker and get the story rolling is uh, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Maryland, uh, in the States. I grew up about halfway between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. And uh, do you think that uh, where you grew up uh, has had a lasting influence on you that you think is still like if you went somewhere else, you'd be like, oh, you can't take the Maryland out of me. This is this is why kind of thing. (laughs) You know, because my family never moved, like I've always I've lived in the same house that I grew up in. Um, Mm -hmm. Maryland will always be home. And I I have full intentions of buying that house from my parents and keeping it in the in the family. Um, I love to travel. I love to see new places. But I think Maryland will always be home because it has been for the last 27 years. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea of like where is home because I've known people who uh, moved around a lot and never felt like anywhere was home. And then like me, like I grew up not in Toronto, but you know, close to Toronto. But as soon as I got here, it just felt right. And like the longer I've been here, the more it feels like right to me. Um, I'm sure eventually I won't live here anymore, but uh, for now, it definitely feels like the right place for me. Um, so I can I can understand that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to take this moment to do a brief land acknowledgement. Um, Toronto or Tuckeronto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a dish with one spoon treaty territory, and we are uninvited visitors on this land. You can learn more about that at native-land.ca, which uh, covers the entire world, not just Canada, despite the .ca ending. So if you're curious to learn more about the Indigenous uh, peoples of the area that you live in or where you grew up, that's a good place to get started in learning about treaties and the different... uh, 
um, communities. Um, and yeah, it's a place to start. And there's lots of great books out there as well that you can read. Um, so yeah, that's something I just like to kind of talk about each episode briefly. Um, and yeah, have you, have you ever looked into uh, lend acknowledgements for your area? I have not. Um, Americans aren't as good with that as, as you Canadians are, but uh, I, I, now that I have a way to do that. Now that I have that link, I am very curious to see whose land I am living on right now. I don't want to say the Canadians are better because <laughs> we, we we're having like a, a national crisis, I think right now um, with just realizing like, I know America has a very well-known uh, racism problem and Canada does too, but ours is, uh, is like our indigenous people versus uh, like African Americans, I think, which are more um, heavily um, discriminated uh, in, in America. But um, yeah, it's important to, to know and to understand and to learn and to do better. So that's a place to get started for sure. Um, so now we're going to move into the show proper. Uh, and the first question I like to do here is I like to, if you can take a few minutes uh, or as much as you want to say to tell us a little bit about the things that you do and how you got into them. Yeah, um, it's been a little bit of a journey getting to where I am now. There were a lot of things that I did that didn't necessarily make sense until this last chapter of life kind of brought everything together. Um, so in university, I started as a sociology major. And unfortunately, every every job in the social work or sociology related field either required a master's degree or five years of experience. And that was for any entry level job. So Although I was a sociology major and I wanted to work with an at-risk population like troubled teens, people struggling with homelessness, people in the prison system, uh, I ended up working with brides instead <laughs> and became uh, the owner's assistant at a catering company and became a wedding planner for a little over two years. And then through that job, I found a passion in um, helping people. I've always wanted to help people, but I was able to help and serve in a way that I had never really thought of before with weddings and special events. And so two and a half years into that job, I ended up getting my event leadership certification. And then instead of going back to the uh, catering company, I decided to start my own company and started uh, planning and facilitating events for the medical cannabis community here in Maryland. And then COVID hit and there were no more in-person events. So last summer I enrolled in a program and received my uh, life designer coaching certification. So come August 2020, I hit the ground running with virtual uh, individual and group coaching. And again, the all of the different roles from sociology to wedding planning to the cannabis industry is, has led me here. And um it is so rewarding to be able to open the door to healing for as many people as I can. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to what you said about uh, wanting to help people. That's something I've identified as one of my my big values and one of my driving um, driving values, I guess. Uh, and so this show kind of does that indirectly, I think, um, for different people in different ways. And I'm really glad that I get to be a part of that. What do you think might be the biggest misconception about uh, the kind of work that you do that people might have? I think a really big misconception that people have around the coaching industry is that coaches are here to fix you or heal you. And I have learned the hard way myself that no one can fix us. No one can heal us for us. That's something that, you know, we have to do ourselves. And 
although that's, you know, our healing process and our healing journey is ours and ours alone, it doesn't mean we have to go through it alone. So my job is to guide and reflect and listen and support and hold space and ask questions that my clients may not have thought of. Um, But my job is not to heal people. My job is to simply open the door and it is up to every individual to make the choice to step through that door or not. I'm going to have to stop muting myself while I listen to your answers. I keep forgetting. I'm like, oh, I have to unmute before I can start talking again. Um, yeah, I think the fan's probably fine, so I don't need to worry about that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a lesson that that I've learned as well, that uh, you're the only person that can like actively make changes in your own life, and you have to decide like what you want and what it's going to take to get it and what you're willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice or what ways you're willing to push yourself and um, it's always hard at the beginning, but uh, the more progress you make towards something, I think the easier it tends to get. So Absolutely. the important thing is just taking those first few steps. Yeah. And I think having, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, we we kind of hopefully have people around us, whether it's family or friends who can kind of be encouraging. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But that's another thing I found is very important uh, as well in that uh, regard. Um, the next question here is uh, probably one of my favorites that I get to ask on this show. Um, when you were a child, do you remember what you wanted to be or to do when you grew up? Yes. Uh, so you mentioned I'm, I'm a former basketball player. I uh, played for 12 years and then I ended up getting hurt and managed a team and coached a team and I would referee in university. So I've, I've touched all aspects of basketball. And when I was a young child, I wanted to be the first woman to play in the NBA. That's, that's, that's a really cool goal. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, when did the WNBA start? I don't even know. I guess it wasn't I, around I'm then. I'm not hmm. sure, but I just, I just remember seeing, um, these, these strong and powerful players that were more than just players. They were human beings that had huge impacts on people's lives. And I said, I want to, I want to be that when I grow up. <laughs> no, I, t- I totally get that. I played hockey for like a couple of years when I was younger, I was not very good, but you know, like every, every kid, not every kid in Canada, but a lot of kids in Canada grow up like, Oh, I want to be in the NHL one day. And um, I, I was never anywhere near that, but I can, I can definitely relate. Uh, I still think it would be pretty cool, but that, that dream is long, <laughs> long past me now. <laughs> Um, maybe one day I'll get to interview a, a professional hockey player. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, kind of following along with that, um, one of the, the kind of, I guess, cultural narratives that the show is uh, based in part around and that I'm trying to kind of push back or um, provide some different perspectives on. Um, you might be familiar with this idea that's been around for probably since our like parents and grandparents generations that by the time you're 30, you should like, you know, have your career and have your spouse and your kids and your, your mortgage and all that stuff. And like, that's, that's what you should, if you don't have all that by then, then you're like, you're doing something wrong. And I think for like our generation and the generations coming up, that's very, a very different case. And so I like to ask uh, to give people a sense of what's more realistic and, and that they're, they're not failing utterly at life because like we aren't. Um, but what age do you think uh, or at what age do you feel like you kind of got onto the path that you're on 
like if you're on a path that you like and you want to keep going forward with, at what age do you kind of first get onto that path? For me personally, I was just turning 26 when I really started my healing journey. I've been on this journey for a little over a year and a half now, almost two years. Um, But as a general concept, it's not my job to police when people get on the path that they're meant to be on. I think that the path that we start off with at birth is the path that we chose in this life. And we may take detours and have some potholes and have some roadblocks, but I think our path is simply our path, regardless of how it looks. And regardless of how old we are, we all move in divine timing. So do we have some genius 13 year olds that are in university? Absolutely. Do we have people that are in their fifties that never went to university? Absolutely. Neither one is right or wrong. It's simply our own individual path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as has come up on the show uh, numerous times and is, you know, true in my case as well, like a lot of us will, you know, follow different paths throughout our lives and, there's, that's why I kind of like to frame it like the, if, if you're currently on a path that you are happy with and you want to keep going, and that may change at some point, but like if it's working for you right now, then, you know, like that basically the idea is like you can be on a good path at any point and yeah. you don't have to be on like there might not even be like a final path. Like, you know, I'm sure I'm going to be on several more paths in, in the course of my life. I don't know yet, but um, yeah, just this idea that like, again, that there's this this ideal that everyone should be striving for and that you have to reach it by a certain age or you've done something wrong. And like, that's mm-hmm. just not true at all. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate you adding your, your answer to the collection as it were. Yeah. Um, here's a, a little follow-up question for that. What is something that you, uh, if I say, you know, I wish that I'd known X before I finished school, like college or university, like, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you say that would be for you? Maybe. I wish I had known how to love myself. Mm. We're not taught that in school. We're taught mm-hmm. that self-love is selfish and society teaches us that putting ourselves first is wrong. When in reality, if I don't put myself first, if I don't fill up my cup continuously, I can't pour into other people. Like, I wish I had known self-love is the key to everything. That is another lesson I am also learning more and more these days. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my latter half of my 30s right now, so... Um, I'm still one of the oldest people that's been on this show. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and that's a thing I, I kind of touched on this or have touched on this on the show before, but, you know, depending on like the kind of the metaphorical deck of cards or the hand of cards you're dealt at, you know, when you're a child, um, what your, your parents are like, what your, you know, um, like what kind of situation that you're you're born into basically can make a big difference. And um, I definitely did not learn uh, that kind of stuff for a long time myself and glad that I'm learning it better late than never, as they say. So yeah, that's something. And it sounds kind of cheesy to say, but um, I really think it's worth thinking twice about like loving yourself is really important and it's hard to do when you're not given the tools to kind of start with, but if you can figure it out, it will make a huge difference. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, so a couple of, uh, I guess, lighter, more fun questions here. Um, yeah, I, I like to ask, um, again, kind of around this idea that like once we kind of grow up that we're not supposed to goof around or, you know, be silly as much, like we're supposed to be like mature, serious adults and everything. And that's another thing I like to push back against. Um, you know, the fact that we put on hats for this show, I feel like is, is kind of a, an indicator of that. But I'd like to ask, what is the last silly or playful thing that you did of your own choice that had nothing to do with like entertaining children or anything? Mm. Going to the zoo. Hmm. I was the only person without a kid there. <laughs> <laughs> but I had my inner child. I let my inner child play. And I got to be honest, my friend, I think I may have had a little more fun than the kids there. The zoo is pretty awesome. So you say you were the only one without a child there, but you had your inner child. So I you did. did have a child. I did. <laughs> I did. Just not one that anyone else could see. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, this is, I was just having a conversation about this with a friend recently because here in Toronto, we have the Toronto Zoo and they have a, like a, I don't know if it's an exhibit or it's like a, mm -hmm. an outdoor, um, like a light show kind of thing. And a friend of mine went recently and they posted some pictures on Instagram and I was like, that looks really cool. I want to go to that. But I didn't want to go to it by myself. I would like to go and experience that with someone that I, like and appreciate and who can appreciate it with me and uh, unfortunately there have i haven't been able to find that person so um but yeah no that's something kind of like learning to love yourself like being okay doing things by yourself because you want to and you enjoy them that's another important life skill i think yes yeah definitely we can't we don't have to wait for someone else to enjoy our own life Mm -hmm. I mean, I I went bowling once by myself just because I wanted to. Love it. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to do that again. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, I might. Um, yeah. I so the next question here, uh, I guess, on a bit of a similar, I get little little life lessons that we need to learn. Um, what uh, is, this is around the idea of self care, which again, I always like to say that I think the the idea is. Uh, shifting that people are starting to understand that self-care doesn't have to be fancy, expensive, lavish things. It can mm -hmm. be simple stuff. And so I've been asking my guests, what is the last act of self-care you did for yourself, no matter how small it was? I love this question. Self-care is very important. It goes back to self-love. Uh, this morning and every morning for the last 650-ish days, uh, I do this morning ritual, which is... Um, very, very full of self-care. <laughs> and it's based off of the Miracle Morning book by Hal Elrod. And he has this, uh, this framework called the savers. So every morning um, in this routine, you would do silence, which is meditation, uh, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading and scribing, which is writing. And so every morning I do, I do all of those and I do, uh, I'm working my way up to a full hour of meditation. I started with a single minute, uh, but I am now up to 52 minutes of meditation. And then my movement is yoga. I usually do some, some light stretching for about 15 minutes every morning. 
Um, I visualize what my day is going to look like. I look in the mirror and I tell myself I love myself because I am worthy of my own love. And then I read for about 10 minutes and I write. I write out what I'm grateful for each uh, each morning. Uh, I write out what my action list is for the day and my personal uh, 2021 I am master statement. So that is a lot to say. Uh, I meditate and I move my body and I intentionally show myself love every morning. That's really great. I started a bit of a similar thing recently myself, and I found it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's hard to start because when you're not used to stretching and like doing all these things, it, it feels like it's like taking out of your day. But now I've started to realize it actually adds to my day because I always feel better after I've done it all. Um, and like I started, I haven't been as consistent so far this week, but I was doing like a, a short walk and then like just, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of stretching. And then I would try to like write a flash poem. And I was finding that that was really, uh, some cool stuff was coming out of that. So wow. yeah, something that people, I recommend trying if you, if you, uh, have, if you want to change your morning a little bit for the better. Absolutely. I find that really any morning routine um, doesn't necessarily set us up for success for the rest of the day, but it does help us respond to what happens throughout the day instead of just reacting to it. So I am the biggest fan in the world of morning routines. Yeah. Like I made the change because I had been finding like my habit was getting out of bed and going straight onto the computer. And next thing I know it's two hours later and my back hurts and my like head hurts and I'm just like not in a good mood. And so when I skip the computer and go straight to the other stuff, then when I actually come back to the computer, like I feel good and happy. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to like get into business here. And it, it just, it was hard the first few days, but by like day three or four, um, I was definitely noticing, okay, this is working for me. So yeah, I was Beautiful. happy about that. Sure. Um, another question that I love to ask on this show, um, what is the uh, last new thing that you learned, whether it was a skill or a piece of information, and what is something that you would still like to learn? What is the last thing that I learned? I think the last thing I learned was that there's a platform called StreamYard that you can use to, to, to have podcasts on. I had no idea that this existed until this morning. A lot of people don't. I think that's the last thing I learned, something I still want to learn. Um, I would love to learn how to play the drums. Hmm. Yeah, I know in your in your info that you sent to me, you said that you play guitar and piano and you sing. And I was like, oh, yeah. you have like almost the complete package there. Yep, <laughs> yep I just need a yeah. drum set now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had an electric drum set a few years back and I like it's just it's hard to have it when you live in the city because um, it like even electronic ones, they still make some noise and, and people don't mm-hmm. tend to like that. But I yeah, I wish I had one again, too. I, I miss it. And you know, you see this piano behind me. I don't play that nearly often enough, but uh, but it's there because I'm like, just seeing it actually makes me happy because it makes me think of music, which which makes me happy. So yeah, yeah. Um, do, what uh, what's what's your favorite sort of style of music? My favorite style of music to listen to is definitely R and B and conscious rap. Um, mm-hmm. I think my favorite to play. 
will probably be more towards rock and roll. And honestly, maybe even a little bit of classical because I was uh, classically trained by an Italian opera singer when I was younger. And, wow. you know, being being trained in classical operas at, you know, 10 years old kind of sticks with you for the rest of life. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> I I would like to get trained by a classical singer. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, singing is something I've always wished that I was better at, but uh, I have a limited vocal range, but that could always be improved. I guess that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And everybody can sing, you know, we don't mm. have to be on Broadway or, you know, sell out a 50,000 person arena in order to sing. And everyone, everyone can sing mm -hmm. or hum or sing in their heads, you know, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So this next question is something that's, uh, that's kind of newer. And I guess this is a bit similar to one that I already asked before or kind of came up. Um, I like to ask what, what is something that is not taught in school that you think should be, uh, I guess, other than loving yourself? Self-love. Absolutely. <laughs> but to give you a second answer, meditation. Meditation. I know of a few school systems that have replaced detention in elementary and middle schools for meditation, and the results have been dramatically beautiful. Um, I think it, it's it's really hard at first to sit with yourself and sit with your feelings and sit with your thoughts, and I can only imagine how much less bullying and abuse and suicide. Like I can only imagine how much more beautiful this world would be if we were taught how to sit with ourselves at a young age. I, yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that. It's, it reminds me of this idea that I, I came across my radar probably two or three years ago on um, the idea of how, you know, right now, what we do with people who, you know, do bad things in society, we put them in jail. And this idea of restorative justice mm -hmm. came onto my radar of like, well, instead of like punishing people and like locking them in a small box with bars and like not letting them talk to people, like, what if we try to actually like rehabilitate them and like, you know, because that's the idea that people do bad things because they have, you know, they're for lack of a better term, broken or damaged in some way, they're, they're, they're suffering and, and they act out because of it. So if we could help people feel better, then they would theoretically do less harm. And that sounds like a way to kind of start it early on, um, which is great. So I definitely am with you there. Yeah. Um, and you know, when it comes to restorative justice, that's not at all us saying that the person didn't do something terrible or, you know, unspeakable or anything like that. But for me, that means putting someone in a maximum security prison and locking them up without any human interaction. I don't know if that's going to make them any better, but what would happen if we had some sort of therapy sessions every day and allowed them to express what they were expressing and taught them how to express their emotions in a more appropriate way. Like imagine what life would be like. Yeah. I and mean, I think there's been studies done that have literally shown that, uh, that being isolated is like bad for us emotionally and it mm -hmm. tends to make depression worse, which makes like, you know, anger worse, which makes, mm -hmm 
any kind of negative feelings uh, amplified. And so, um, yeah, a lot of aspects of our society, unfortunately, do kind of keep us more like isolated and don't really let us connect and, um, you know, find that sort of that intimacy and feeling heard and seen that that yes. really helps us. So, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I like this part of the show because it's like an interesting I've added a couple of questions more recently that I think have come into more. Uh, good conversations, like mini conversations. And this next one is, has been really good for that as well. Um, what do you think is the best aspect of modern technology and the worst aspect of modern technology? Mm, that's a good question. The best aspect is I can be anywhere I want to be and still be in the comfort of my own home. You know, I, I said I'm born and raised in Maryland, but I'm an international life coach. I've served people in the UK and in Northern Ireland. I have two one-on-one uh, -on -one clients that are in Canada that are based out of Ontario. Um, so I love that technology can truly connect us to the rest of the world while still allowing us to feel comfortable. On the other side of that... Technology certainly has the potential to disconnect all of us, right? I think it, it really depends on the intention behind the person that's using the technology. If someone like me wants to use it to spread my love to everybody in the world that I can, that is awesome. But then I'll see, you know, parents walking down the street with their kid and their kid is tugging on their, their pant leg to get their attention. And the, the dad is just, you know, head down in the phone on a work call, whatever it may be. I think um, both the blessing and the curse of modern technology is the concept of connection. Yeah, I find that very, very ironic. And I've written about it in, in blog posts before that, you know, that Facebook was originally created to like, you know, help us connect and to stay mm -hmm. connected. But because it runs on an algorithm, and we don't get to exactly choose what we see and when and how much it actually becomes like limiting and it becomes disconnecting. And, um, you know, there's been, uh, I think Facebook has even admitted that they've uh, had, I guess, like internal studies or something that have found that Facebook is actually bad for our mental health. And, you know, when Facebook, it, we're recording this a day or two was it, I think it was Monday, two days mm -hmm. ago that, that Facebook and everything went down for like five hours. And I hopped over to Twitter because I'm already over there. And it was kind of funny and interesting to see all the different reactions. A lot of people were like, good, I hope it never comes back <laughs> up. <laughs> but of course, as soon as it was back online, I, I went back there and like everybody was, nobody was saying anything about it. It was like as if, as if nothing had happened. It was just right back to the usual. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> so this next question here is one of the, uh, one of the, old, uh, the long time questions of the show, which is another interesting one. I like to hear the, the unique answers that come. Um, I like to, with the concept again of, of metaphorical hats um, being kind of like skills, ideas, interests, things like that. What would you say uh, do you think are your two most dissimilar hats? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've been working so hard to live in alignment. I can't really think of two, <laughs> two things that are so uh, dissimilar. Um, I suppose one hat that I wear um, 
it's a volunteer, a nurturer, uh, a light bringer. Every every day, unless it's pouring down rain or it's snowing, I'll drive through Baltimore City and hand out uh, protein bars and water bottles to my street angels, the uh, the people that are living on the street. I think that homeless is a very derogatory term that is used to oppress people that already don't have the bare minimum. So they are just angels that happen to be on the street. So one hat that I wear is... Uh, a provider of love and protein bars. And then another hat that I wear is facilitating events for cannabis patients. Like those aren't, those aren't very similar. So I'll go with that. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Um, And by the way, I I really admire that you do that. That's really wonderful. Um, Yeah. Another, another term that I've, that I've heard for that is uh, just unhoused, but even that still Mm -hmm. sounds a bit unkind compared to street angels. I really like Mm -hmm. that. It's very, very kind. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a question that it's like totally open to the guest's interpretation. And I've gotten, you know, a variety of answers. And it's both interesting to hear how they see things as being different and how, like, sometimes, because, because again, the idea is like, I look at it like, what are two things, like, if, if I knew that you did X or you liked X, would I be like, astonished if it's like oh you're into that thing too like not in a negative way but just like the example that i've used before is like a doctor that plays ping pong or like a surgeon that plays ping pong i'd be like i wouldn't i wouldn't think that that but i'm sure that exists out there somewhere so um but again everyone has a different story and it's always interesting to see these contrasts and hear how people kind of put them into context so uh, thank you for that yeah and you know Lacey I really just adore the entire concept of hat collecting because you know like you said none of us just wear one hat like human beings are multi-dimensional creatures and we are allowed to have as many interests and talents and skills as we want and to be able to uh, express our whole self with the thousand different hats that we have on. Um, it's just really special. Yeah. And, and the other aspect with that too, and like I come up, I had a few different ideas for the name of the show and, and that one kind of stuck the most. And it's also this idea, like there's hats that we have to wear. There's hats mm-hmm. that we choose to wear and there's hats that we just kind of stumble into. And it's like, Oh, Hey, this hat works for me. I like it. I'm going to keep wearing it. So it's, it's not like, you know, the hats we must wear or hats mm-hmm. we must collect. And it's just the hats, all the hats that just happen to, you know, be on our head or off our head at any point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like at some point, maybe on the Patreon at some point, I will do like a, a picture or a video or something and I'll just show the entire collection of all the hats that I have here because I like, have a ton of actual hats. I will. Um, <laughs> and yeah. of course, I, I, there's still a few that have not been seen on this show, um, one of which is brand new and will be shown today. So there's a, there's a reason to go sign up on the Patreon. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I like the both the metaphorical and the literal sense of, of the of the name. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, and yeah, it's gotten it's gotten so a lot of people have had similar things to say. So it tells me I'm doing something right, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> so as I alluded to earlier in the show, um, the next kind of couple of questions are going to be a little more. Um, for lack of a better term, I call them kind of deeper and maybe a little bit more intense emotionally or um, like deeper for reflection. But so I mentioned relationships and the people around us who can like support us or potentially not. And I come up with the name for this, uh, the 
terms, I call them hype hats and heavy hats. And so hype hats are the people who obviously hype us up and, you know, encourage us and just help us feel more capable and confident. And heavy hats are the opposite of the people that make us doubt ourselves or, you know, kind of slow us down or just, you know, discourage us. And so hopefully, and I guess what I try to do with this question uh, is to, I'm trying to help teach the audience because if there's like, you know, young people watching or maybe older people who haven't had a chance to like pick up as much of this wisdom uh, and their experiences, I like to try and teach through this question, like what sorts of things to look for to help identify, uh, I guess, like who's like really your hype hat in your life to, to really like appreciate that and, um, you know, try to get more of that, but also to identify who the heavy hats are so that you can mm -hmm. maybe put a bit of a buffer or distance or in some cases cut the person out entirely if they're really like, you know, weighing you down. So um, I like to ask what if and you don't have to name any specific names, but what's an example um, of a hype hat in your life and a heavy hat in your life? Mm -hmm. I love this question. I think that people that wear hype hats in our lives want to see us happy for the sake of our happiness, not for some opportunity for them to capitalize on down the road, not for them to be jealous or envious or envious of the, the happiness that we have. I think that people that wear hype hats in our lives are people that want to see us happy because they want to see us happy whether that be a parent or a partner or a friend or a stranger walking down the street that gave you a compliment for no reason, just to make you feel good about yourself in that moment. I think that hype hats uh, are directly correlated to happiness. I think heavy hats come back to self-love because what I've realized is that I cannot give someone something that I don't already have. And so if I don't know how to love myself, I don't know how much love I can pass on to someone else. So I think that the people that are heavy hats in our lives are people that have not yet learned how to love and embrace and accept who they are. So they can't necessarily do that for us. Hmm. I think that's definitely true uh, in, in a lot of cases. The interesting flip side of that is I know for myself and, and some of my friends that we've talked about this idea of where, like, for some reason, it feels so much easier for me to support a friend and to encourage them and to tell them that they are good enough. And it's so much harder to do it for myself, which seems counterintuitive. Like, I'm getting better at that. But I think that's also... Um, that's also a, a reality sometimes of like, you feel like other people do deserve better than you because you have like um, just um, say, I guess incorrect thinking or, or um, trauma that you still need to work through or something like that. Um, yeah. I just, that's something that, that has become more evident to me and I, I'm working on it. Cause again, that self love, like, no, I do deserve to be treated as well as I think <laughs> other people deserve. And um but I'm sure I've been a heavy hat to people before, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm certainly trying to, to not be anymore. <laughs> um, you know, just recognizing sometimes, just recognizing your own, like, oh, if I do this thing, this hurts this other person, even mm -hmm. if I don't mean it to. So I gotta stop that. Yeah. yeah, and that's not me at all saying that someone that doesn't embrace their whole self 
is a bad person in any way. Mm -hmm. I think what I mean by that heavy hat is if we're interacting with someone that is in this cycle of misery or in this, this victim mode or woe is me or the world is ending and everything sucks. Like as human beings, we can't help but project what's inside of us onto the people around us. And so if I'm living in the cycle of misery, I'm going to project that misery onto the people around me versus if Mm -hmm. I'm living in a state of love or acceptance or gratitude or grace or happiness or ease or flow, you know, whatever it is, I can project that as well. And love is a little lighter than resentment. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That, that is, that is very, very true. Uh, And I guess that's a great segue into the next question, which is about mental health. And I think this is also a very important thing to talk about because it's still very stigmatized and it's something that a lot of people still don't understand as well as they could. And that lack of understanding can lead to, I guess, what I might call like unintentional unempatheticness. That's not a real word, but like this idea that like just having a perspective that's not fully informed can can lead to like unintentionally being harmful to other people. And anyways, that's a bit of a sidetrack from the actual question of uh, so what I what I ask, and you don't have to say anything that you're not comfortable with. But I like to ask what uh, what if any mental or even physical health issues have you dealt with in your life, and how have you what has worked for you to work through them? Hmm. I was a very toxic and hurt and angry and suicidal and mean and miserable person for a very long time. Um, For a solid 12 plus years after my brother passed uh, a week before my 12th birthday. And, you know, losing someone so close to you at such a young age when you're, you know, already a girl going through puberty and bullying and middle school and, you know, all of the things, you know, losing my brother at that age was um, traumatic more than words can say. And it took a very long time after that for me to actually hit rock bottom. And it took hitting rock bottom to say, look, something's got to change here. You know, you can't, you can't hate yourself into loving yourself. And God knows I tried for a very long time. (laughs) So what has helped me get out of that? Learning how to love myself. That that seems to be the theme today is self-love, learning how to love myself. And it took me really sitting with myself and sitting with my emotions and sitting with my pain and my grief and my loss and my anger and all of the things, you know, it took me sitting with those painful parts of myself and learning how to accept those parts of myself to really pull myself out of rock bottom. And, you know, I'm not proud of the 16 year old girl that was, both being bullied and being a bully. I'm not, I'm not proud of that version of me. Um, but I stand by her because all we can do is our best. And with as much pain as I had in my heart, that was my best. And 
that version of me, you know, helped create the beautiful and amazing and kind and genuine human being that I am today. And had I not gone through that pain, had I not gone through um, such unspeakable loss and trauma at such a young age, I wouldn't be able to help the people that I do today. Absolutely. And I, again, I relate a lot to, to what you're saying. I, I haven't lost anyone close to me, but I was a very angry, confused uh, kid. I was very, um, very much a like social late bloomer. And so that mm-hmm. led to a lot of frustration and, um, you know, not realizing that I was neurodivergent and not understanding uh, other things that beca- that became issues later. And so I really feel like my kind of grown-up life didn't really start until my mid to late 20s and so that was you know difficult in in some ways but I'm really grateful that I am where I am now and looking back at all the you know the next question actually uh, leads right into this um you know all the different failures the things that didn't go the way that I'd hoped things that just made me feel like why can I never catch a break and you know, it's, it's not fair and, and just, you know, shaking my fists at the sky kind of thing. And, um, you know, finally, you know, gaining the, the maturity and improving the self-love and getting to the point of, of, of being able to see and understand how that was all part of making me who I am now. And I can appreciate that's And I can, now I can appreciate when things don't go right. It's like, okay, Hey, this is, this is just another opportunity. Um, it, I mean, it would have been nice if it had gone this way instead, but like I can, I can, you know, this, because sometimes things not going the way that you want is what leads to a new idea or a change that's for the better. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the question here, uh, I'd like to ask like, what, what was a, uh, like a big failure in your life or just some, something that didn't go the way that you had hoped or maybe something that you did literally fail at. And what, what did you learn from that experience? Or like, what was the, the big lesson from that failure? COVID is what comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I started as a, an event planner and then decided to go out on my own and plan events for, for the community here in Maryland. And I loved what I did so much. So, you know, I think, I think COVID is, you know, not something that I personally failed at, um, but certainly threw a threw a wrench in the path that I thought I was supposed to be on. And if COVID had not happened when it did, I would still be just planning events for the cannabis industry and having a, a monthly brunch one Sunday a month. And you know, those were important and those were special and they were so fun. Um, and really, you know, the, the whole premise of Lone Wolf District is to create a sense of psychological safety and create a sense of home for people that haven't felt it. Um, but being completely thrown for a loop with COVID made me see that the impact that I can have is so much bigger than just one community. And so mm-hmm. now I get to serve the world instead of just serving one small community in Maryland. So yeah, I think, I think COVID is my answer. Uh, I didn't fail personally at COVID, but COVID certainly threw me for a loop. And because of that, it opened up an infinite amount of possibilities and opportunities to heal and help and serve and guide and love 
so many more people than I ever thought I could. I, again, I really appreciate that answer. And, and I've kind of said it before on the show, but I'll, I'll give you and perhaps new listeners the, the lowdown again. This show is both the kind of culmination of everything else I've tried and failed at over like the last eight years of different creative projects and different, I want to do this, but how, how is it like, it just, a lot of things had to not work for me to, to come to this one and be like, okay, this was finally the right thing. But also that I had actually been planning to start this show in February, 2020. And I was actually planning to do it like in person and like I was getting, you know, the studio, the studio, which was my bedroom uh, and still is <laughs> um, set up and, uh, you know, testing out the multi-camera setup that I was going to do because I was going to have people physically come to my apartment and sit down with me and and do this like, you know, where we can physically see each other. Um, that sounds kind of weird. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then and then COVID happened and. Like why that was so the reason that that led to hat collecting was because I had um, a totally different name plan for this show originally and then getting it like disrupted and like, okay, well, I can't do it now because a pandemic hap is happening. And then a few months passed and I was like, okay, I'm not doing this thing, but I really want to be doing this thing. I need to do this thing. Okay, I'm going to do this thing. And so I was like, but I'm not going to call it because, you know, you give any idea enough time and you can kind of see the the pros and cons of it. And um, what's the original idea? I think the show is originally being called Sometimes Why, but like the letter Y, but the idea being Sometimes Why, like the question, because again, it was meant to be like a curious discussion, ponder ideas kind of thing. And I realized like, that's not a good name. <laughs> so I started thinking of different ones. And then I was like, you know, I was thinking about the hats and all that. And then eventually I came to hat collecting. I was like, I think that works and it stuck. So um, yeah, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I might've started a show with a dumb name and then I would have eventually maybe <laughs> changed the name. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't always see it in the moment, but I, I have come to truly understand that everything happens exactly as it needs to. I, I, I think sometimes I can see the, the truth in that. I don't know that I believe that a hundred percent of the time, but sometimes I definitely think, okay, that was, that was for the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's something that's fun to kind of reflect on. I'm like, oh yeah, I've had a lot of ideas and they haven't all been good, but Sometimes I find the right ones. <laughs> um, yeah, so the last question that we're going to finish up on here, we've given lots of advice throughout the show, but I like to try to, I guess, consolidate and condense it down and kind of target it a little bit. So mm -hmm. I like to break it into a few different groups. So I look at it kind of as like, you know, teen slash youth, or I guess youth slash teen, um, kind of people in like the 30s, like millennial age, and then people are kind of like our parents or grandparents age, so like older. Um, so what advice would you give to each of those groups? You can give the same advice, or you can give different advice to each group. Mm -hmm. To the younger listeners, be you. No matter how weird other people may think you are, be you. Because I guarantee you that the people that make fun of you in high school peak in high school. So just be you. You are worthy of being accepted. And if you don't feel accepted where you are right now, I promise you there is an abundance of acceptance on the other side of this. 
for anyone, any millennial, anyone in their, you know, upper twenties to to forties, the advice I have is to do your best to live in the present moment because when we think back to the past, we may feel regret. And when we look to the future, we may feel fear, but in this present moment, all is well. So that's my advice for millennials is to do your best to live in the present moment because the present moment is so beautiful. And to the older generations, my advice would be do your best to pass on the wisdom you've gained from your life. Because as human beings, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can learn from other people's pain and experiences and happiness and and lives. So share, share your story, share your wisdom, share your pain, share your loss, share your love. Just share. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's it, it, this is none of those questions that I get a, a good variety of answers. Sometimes I get similar ones, but everyone's got a, a unique take usually, and I, I appreciate that. Um, so to kind of round out the show here, um, this is one of the questions on the, the form I had you fill out, but um, what uh, is there any particular cause or charity that you'd like to promote or raise awareness of? Yes, I am working with a nonprofit called Love and Lunches based out of Baltimore, Maryland. And our mission is to feed, clothe and house um, people that are struggling with hunger and homelessness in Baltimore City. And two of my mentors had started this um, way, way back in the 90s and uh, as a family and then officially established in, I believe, 2015 or 2016. Um, And we need help. The pandemic has um, really decreased the amount of volunteers we get for Sunday lunches. We make 100 lunches every Sunday morning and we go to uh, Shock Tower Park in Baltimore City and we hand out our our love and our lunches. And because of COVID, because of the pandemic, because of safety measures, we don't get too much hands-on help anymore, which means that the more financial help we can get means a world of a difference. So we can continue to serve and love people that don't ever really get the love they deserve in this world. So yeah, love and lunches. (laughs) That's really cool. And it occurs to me that we have something, uh, I don't know if it's only in Canada or or not, but there's something I know we have here called uh, food, not bombs. And it's a very Mm. similar thing that they make lunches and they provide them in parks to unhoused people. Um, so that that's a great cause and I definitely support it. And if you're in the, the, the Baltimore area, please consider uh, reaching out and, and getting involved. Um, yeah. And uh, of course on this show, um, I, I, on, on the, on the show we have uh, a dedicated black lives matter button and we do the land acknowledgement because uh, I do feel those are both very important causes and of course uh, lgbtq rights and uh, freedoms um it's another one that's important to the show here um and that said uh, it's time to do plugs and i always let my guest go first uh, as the the honorary guest uh, of course um so what um where can people find you online or what do you want people to check out on on your behalf 
Yeah. Um, you can find me online on my website, lonewolfdistrict.com. You can email me, connect at lonewolfdistrict.com. <laughs> or you can find me on Instagram at lonewolfdistrict. <laughs> so uh, those those three platforms, probably email, my website and Instagram, all lonewolfdistrict is, is where you can find me. Um, I offer one-on-one group, one-on-one coaching sessions as well as group coaching. And I have a, uh, a wolf pack monthly membership where we, uh, meet twice a month for accountability calls. And we do a group coaching event every, every, uh, month, whether it be around prioritizing self-care or embracing your most authentic self or reclaiming your power from past trauma. Um, you know, we're, we're a very beautiful group of, like-hearted individuals and it is an honor to be able to crowdsource the collective wisdom of my community every day absolutely and i feel like i'm doing that slowly bit by bit through this show as well and uh one day if i have the resources and, and the help um yeah i'd love to start like a, a fan club or some something like that but uh yeah that that'll be that'll be some point in the future. <laughs> my my goals are already way beyond my actual capabilities. So um yeah, but so for this show you can find hat collecting online at hatcollecting.com or at hat collecting on social media. I'm on a few different platforms there. My website is artemiscreates.com and uh, I'm also on social media most pl- I'm on pretty much almost all platforms, but Twitter and Instagram, I had to put an underscore in there. Unfortunately, somebody else had already snagged it on me. Um, and yeah, you can find, so you can find all the different hats that I wear and things that I do on my website. Uh, I've got a, a book, I've got music, I've got I uh, stream on Twitch occasionally when, when life is uh, quiet enough that I, I have the spare time and energy for it. Um, what else do I do? Uh, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see my designs and stuff. I have a merch site and whatnot. I, all that stuff. That's the kind of Cole's notes. Um, yeah, just making sure. And yeah, if you're listening to this in podcast form, um, if you want to leave a, a review, uh, leave a um, rate five stars, leave a review. Um, I don't know how that works on Spotify because I don't use Spotify that much, but we are on there. Uh, last I, I was aware anyways. So, and yeah, if you're on YouTube, I like to ask, uh, or, or if you're watching on Odyssey, I'm also on there. What was your favorite uh, answer from this episode or your favorite topic or thing that we talked about? Um, let me know, leave a comment, send me an email, tweet at me, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, I just like to know what's resonating most with, with people that are watching and listening. And so, yeah, I have changed the ending of this show slightly now. So I have to kind of relearn how to smoothly transition out, which is almost never smooth because I suck at outros, but, um, yeah, we're going to do the hat reveal is moved to the Patreon. So we're going to do that in a moment, but um in the meantime uh what i'd like to say at the end of the show is um thank you for watching um please like and subscribe if if you haven't already stay curious and keep collecting those hats and we will see you next time on hat collecting you know i'll take off my headphones briefly for this because this hat will not fit over headphones (laughs) so three two one